the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Hola. Como esta? And uh, como se dice technical difficulties in Spanish? I don't know how to say that. Uh, como esta is about it for me with complete sentences in Spanish. But uh, I apologize for those... Um, for the rough start there, and I, as usual, I will see to it that everybody involved is fired and without a job for tomorrow, but, you know, that's not for you to worry about. I don't care about them. They'll all be fired, messing with my radio show. <laughs> I, I, I wish I had that kind of power. I don't fire people. Anyway, I'm sorry, but I am a little bit of Spanish for you today because I'm going to work on my Spanish, and the reason I'm going to do that uh, is uh, for the common good, you know, kind of like wearing a mask. And in case you haven't heard, masks are back in style. The CDC just said a little while ago they made it official that uh, fully vaccinated individuals should wear masks in certain indoor areas. And they say that there should be universal masking in schools K through 12. And you thought you were done with this insanity. Well, of course, the best thing you can do is wear a mask for the rest of your life so that you and nobody else on the planet ever gets sick again. That's the plan. But if you do take off the mask, please, please, don't speak English. According to Alison Escalante of Forbes magazine, she writes science for them, uh, speaking English may spread more coronavirus than some other languages. That's right. According to the story, the new research suggests that English speakers put more droplets into the air when they talk which may make them more likely to spread COVID-19. Now, maybe you didn't know that English is a spitty language, according to this story. Apparently, there are too many aspirated consonants. And it's not only coughing and sneezing that spreads the virus, but talking. And according to this story, talking leads to the same amount of droplets in the air as coughing and sneezing. So the trick here is to teach your kids how to speak another language. Now, I'm not sure which ones are less spitty, but I think... Chinese is one of them. Now, if you don't teach your kids how to speak a different language, you might want to tell them to use fewer P's and K's, P's, T's, and K's. Remember when they used to tell us to watch our P's and Q's? Well, now it's P's, T's, and K's. So how long before His Excellency Tom Wolf decides that we all have to mask up indoors again? Are you ready for that? How about a sign in the restaurant that says, please, no P's, T's, and K's while you're here? And where is Aunt Rachel when you need him? Wouldn't it be so much more comforting to have a guy who thinks he's a woman around to give you advice on this stuff? Aunt Rachel's working for the federal government now, and Aunt Rachel has always liked masks. So what does this mean for the restaurant industry? More masks? Will they have to decide whether to put the sign up on the door that says, wear your mask again? Haven't they suffered enough? Well, coming up in our second half hour, we're going to talk to Chief Andrew Gruel. He's a TV chef. I said, Did I say chief? I meant chef. He's a TV chef 
and uh, the owner of a chain of restaurants in California. He's going to tell us what's happening to restaurants all over the country and what the future looks like for them. But when we come back after this break, uh, we're going to talk to we're going to talk about gun violence with John Lott. He will give you the stats that show that guns are rarely involved in violent crimes. Stick around. Por favor. Well, the big guy has, uh, meanwhile, been talking a lot about how he's going to end gun violence, and he promises it will have nothing to do with the government taking away your guns, of course. Uh, Democrats would have you believe that violent crimes are mostly about crimes involving a gun, but they're wrong or lying or both. John Lott is the author of Gun Control Myths, How Politicians, the Media, and Botched Studies Have Twisted the Facts on Gun Control, and he joins us now. John, thanks for being here. What, what, what do you think the perception is when it comes to the uh, the frequency of guns used in violent crimes compared to the reality? Well, I mean, I, I can't judge generally what the perception is, but uh, just listening to President Biden speak about it, yeah, you would think that that was the main source, main involvement in violent crimes. And in fact, when you look at the data, uh, about 92 percent of violent crimes have nothing to do with guns. Virtually no rapes involve guns, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to, if you're going to solve the violent crime problem, you're going to have to address violent crime more broadly. Even if you think that uh, Biden's gun control proposals are going to be useful, and I'm more worried that they'll be counterproductive, if anything. But, um, you know, it's uh, you got to you got to deal with what's causing the increase in violent crime, and that's pretty clear to me. Uh, over the last year, you've had uh, large numbers of inmates being released from jails and prisons across the country. You've had police being ordered to stand down. You've had police budgets being cut in many places, and you know in cities like uh, Philadelphia or Chicago or other places, uh, you have prosecutors that are refusing to prosecute even violent criminals. Um, You know, you look at Biden's three talks that he's given on violent crime. uh, He's only mentioned the word police uh, four times in those talks. And one of those was about we need police to enforce gun control laws. And uh, he hasn't mentioned prosecutors once and he hasn't mentioned uh, the inmates being released and, you know, from prisons. I mean, in many of these areas, you have over half the inmates being released. Yeah, and as you said, uh, murder is uh, uh, only 8% of uh, violent crimes are uh, involve guns, and uh, there are a lot of murders going on out there, but murder isn't the only violent crime. Uh, former Senator Barbara Boxer uh, found that out last night when she was mugged, and there was no mention of a gun in that one, I don't think. That's a violent crime, right? Right. No. Yeah. She she was uh, assaulted uh, and robbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, even if you look at uh, gun crimes, only two percent of gun crimes result in murder. So, uh, you know, it's look, uh, is it important to try to go and uh, try to prevent gun crimes? Yeah, sure. But it's important, you know, if people are killed in any way, that's bad. If they're raped or robbed or assaulted. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned, Senator, former Senator Botch, Boxer's uh, assault didn't have anything to do with the gun. Yeah, and, and it's the same story, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's portrayed as though the guns are committing the crimes. Um, well, look, it, I mean, gun, 
guns make it easier for you to harm people, but they also make it easier for people to protect themselves and prevent bad things from happening. And my big concern with uh, with the different proposals that Biden has been putting forward is that they're primarily going to be making it difficult for law-abiding citizens to be able to go and protect themselves. You know, they'll, they'll talk about things like, um, you know, uh, classifying stabilizing braces as machine guns. Stabilizing braces are straps that fit to the gun and wrap around a person's arm. And they were designed for disabled people, originally for people who were in the military who may have lost part of a hand uh, or may have had their arms crippled in some way. And the stabilizing brace made it possible for those uh, people who were invalids to be able to go and use a gun defensively. Um, but there's no discussion about trade-offs in any of Biden's thing. He points to one crime where somebody used the stabilizing brace, and uh, it's not even obvious that the stabilizing brace had anything to do with their ability to go and commit the crime. But, you know, there are all sorts of things. He talks about uh, uh, background checks on the private transfers of guns. Uh, in Washington, D.C., it costs $125. Uh, to do a background check on a private transfer of a gun. That may not stop you or I from being able to go and buy a gun, but if my research convinces me of anything, uh, the very people who need guns the most for protection, poor blacks who live in high-crime urban areas, the people who are most likely victims of violent crime, making them have to pay $125 to go and do a background check on a transfer of a gun may make the difference between whether or not they're legally able to obtain a gun. Uh, you know, here we have Democrats upset that free voter IDs um, will prevent people from being able to vote, but somehow it doesn't bother them that you have these fees that could be $125 or other fees for $400 or whatever that they have that, um, you know, that who they're stopping from doing it. And, and even the discussion that he's been pushing about rogue gun dealers, you know, nobody wants to have uh, gun dealers selling guns secretly out of the back of their store to criminals, but that's not what's happening. And that's also not what the rules that he was talking about would deal with. What his rules are, his zero tolerance policy, is to put anybody out of business, no matter how tiny or trivial a paperwork mistake is. Uh, things that are inconsequential, that have nothing to do with whether or not people use a gun in a crime uh, will result in people losing their business. And they're going to drive out a lot of uh, gun stores out of business, making it more costly, more difficult for people to buy guns. When Biden multiple times has talked about 5% of the dealers uh selling what ends up being 90%, he claims, of the guns used in crime, uh, what he forgets to mention is that 5% of the dealers sell more than 90% of the guns. And so, you know, it's and using things like this, seeing whether or not a gun is eventually used in a crime is somehow prima facie evidence that they did something wrong when they may have conducted the background check perfectly. You know, I just was going through some data the other day. Um, this year, uh, you'll have about less than one-tenth of one percent 
of guns in the United States will be used in any type of crime. Uh, so that's 99, over 99.9% of guns aren't going to be used in a crime this year. And, uh, you know, what you have to be careful of is that you're not going to be passing regulations that are going to primarily be disarming law-abiding citizens because guns are used to stop crimes about five times more frequently than they're used to commit them. And we're talking to John Lott. He's the author of um, Gun Control Myths, How Politicians, the Media, and Botched Studies Have Twisted the Facts on Gun Control. Um, you always have great numbers uh, that, that just go fly in the face of, of the general perception out there among most people, including politicians and the media. Uh, one of the more fascinating things I saw, you have a piece at realclearinvestigations.com, uh, is about where murders are occurring and who's committing them. It's it's really not a countrywide problem, is it? No, compared to most countries, the United States uh, murders are extremely heavily concentrated in tiny areas. Two percent of the counties in the United States account for over half the murders. And if you look at murder maps for those, that's so sixty out of the three thousand one hundred forty counties account for over half the murders. And if you ever look at what's called a murder map, which will show where the murders occur within those counties, you basically you have about two thirds of the murders occur within ten block areas within those that two percent of the counties. So it's very heavily concentrated in a tiny area, and it's largely gang related. Uh, you have you have about you have fifty nine percent of the counties in the United States have zero murders in any given year. And you have 75 percent of the counties that have either zero murders or just one murder uh, over the course of the year. So you can see how extremely heavily concentrated murders are in the United States. And that's that's different from most countries. There are very few countries that have murders as heavily concentrated in as tiny areas as we have here in the United States. I only have about a minute left, John. That that sounds like a policing problem a lot more than it sounds like a gun problem, a gun ownership problem. You say ten within ten blocks, uh, in a ten block area, that's where most murders are occurring, and it's a gang related. Right, and those in those two percent of the counties, about two thirds of their murders occur within ten block areas. Uh, look. Yeah, I mean, we have a, a drug gang problem in the United States. It's worse than most other countries. Uh, I mean, obviously, there are countries like Mexico where it's even worse. But, uh, you know, and, and so you have to go and deal with that in some way if you're going to get the murder uh, problem under control. But the thing is, uh, Biden's not directly addressing that. He's not uh, doing anything to criticize prosecutors who are refusing to go after uh, criminals. You know, you look at Chicago that people talk about many times. About a year or so ago, uh, only 20 percent of murders resulted in arrest. And and that's on average. Gang murders are much less likely to result in arrest. And some of those weren't being prosecuted. So you may have had something around 10 percent of gang murders resulting in arrest and conviction. I mean, is it surprising then that you're going to see a lot more uh, gang violence when the risk for them going and killing other gang members is so low. 
No, and uh, as usual, you have uh, blown everything up when it comes to the numbers uh, and the, the perception that most people have. I, I wish more people were exposed to uh, the numbers that you put out there. The, the book, again, is Gun Control Myths, and it's by John Lott. And I always like having you on. Hope to have you on again, John. Thank you. Sure. People can find more at our website at crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. Okay, I appreciate it. Well, I'll check it out. Thank you, John. Thank you. Okay, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The House held its first day of testimony in the investigation of what happened on January 6th at the nation's capital. Republican leadership expressed their view on the select committee holding the hearing. Prior to the hearing, House Republican leadership denounced Speaker Nancy Pelosi's motives for creating this committee. Minority Whip Steve Scalise. What we're here to talk about today is Speaker Pelosi's constant attempt to cover up facts that she doesn't want out there. Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy praised police while criticizing the Democrats. On January 6th, these brave officers were put into a vulnerable and impossible position because of the leadership at the top has failed. Bernie Bennett in Washington. Retired Senator Mike Enzi, a Wyoming Republican known as a consensus builder. In an increasingly polarized Washington has died. He was 77. On Wall Street, all three major indexes are deeply in the red. This is SRN News. Let's be boring and do a commercial about cash-out refinances. It's Ryan, and our mortgage team will often have a listener say, I think I understand what a cash-out refinance is, but can't that be bad for you sometimes? So let's hit on that. As with anything, it's certainly not the right move for everyone. If we don't have to, we don't want to add a bunch of years onto our loan or increase our monthly payment too much or pay more in the long run. But... Because home values have skyrocketed so far up the last few years, while rates have come so far down, we've seen many scenarios where listeners today can pull out a significant chunk of money from the new value in their home while lowering the years on the overall loan, while lowering their monthly payment, and lowering how much they ultimately pay. The key is to just look at the whole picture and be honest with yourself about your situation. If you're looking for someone to show you your options, we our United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Metal Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Or corporate Animalist Number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. AM 1250. The answer. The Mike Gallagher Show. He's your happy conservative warrior. They're going to lose their majority in the House. And in 2024, they're going to lose the White House. No more defunding the police. No more taking illegals and having them spread COVID throughout the land. Americans will not tolerate much more of this. Breaking news and what to make of it. The Mike Gallagher Show. Weekdays at 9. Right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The Answer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law legal help that lasts a lifetime visit a-h.law hey i'm andy 
If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We're looking at some huge delays on inbound 28. There's an accident, police activity at the 31st Street Bridge. You're jammed up from Butler Street on the outbound side, jammed Parkway North up to the 31st Street Bridge with the left lane blocked. Now over to the Parkway East, inbound Heavy Britain Road overpass to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel and delays 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. On the Parkway West, your delay running about six minutes between Carnegie and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jen. Robinson. AM twelve fifty. The answer. Weather. We'll see partly cloudy skies for tonight. Expect a nighttime low of sixty-eight. It'll be humid tomorrow with partly sunny skies. A thunderstorm is expected in spots of the afternoon tomorrow with a high of eighty-five. Thursday will be mostly cloudy and humid. We'll see a couple of thunderstorms. Thursday will reach a high of seventy-seven. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, in case you missed it, the CDC announced today that it uh, would be a good idea for vaccinated people to wear masks indoors and that masks should be mandated for kids in K-12 through starting next month when schools open. Apparently that curve just hasn't flattened yet. Uh, masks indoors is not good news for restaurants that are just starting to get back to where they were before the COVID-19 hysteria. A lot of them disappeared and aren't coming back. Andrew Gruel is a, ch- is a chef in California. You've seen him on the Food Network and other places around TV. He's the founder of Slapfish Restaurants, and he joins us now. Uh, thanks for being here, Andrew. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> so is what came out of the CDC today an ominous sign for restaurant owners like you? Of course it is, because it's the, you know, it's it's like the narrative. We've, we've all seen how this story plays out. Shutdowns are, ne- you know, occupancy restrictions are next and then shutdowns. And in the numbers and the data is does not support this stance. So for restaurant owners, where we are already having trouble trying to find employees, this is only going to scare people away from coming back into the workforce. Yeah, that's uh, and not only that, but um, and I know you've talked about this. It's the inconsistency, too. Um, and if, if you own a restaurant right now today and you see this announcement about masks, don't you have to, aside from the fact that, you know, getting employees to come back to work, 
uh, aren't you starting to wonder about your future and not if not tomorrow in the next month that what's coming down next and how do you plan how do you how do you decide how much food you want to order when you're sitting when you're sitting there worried that you know your place could be shut down or partially shut down in, in, a, in a few weeks because that's uh, well, that, that wouldn't surprise me if that happens by the way no, of course, and that's a great point that you bring up, and one that's 99.9% of the time forgotten about with us restaurants is, is that when we're open, close, open, close, we lose inventory every single time. Mm-hmm. Nobody's covering us for that lost inventory. When I put my restaurant um, relief plan forward for the government, which was completely ignored, of course, I suggested that we go back and we get some sort of a tax rebate for all of the food, the perishable items that we've lost throughout this pandemic, not to mention that paper chemical and you know ppe costs have skyrocketed because of the price gouging and has contributed on average to restaurants net three percent loss to their bottom line and then we find out you know deep into the pandemic that you know surface to surface transfer isn't an issue we didn't need all the gloves right the masks don't work or they do work or who knows but we're the ones bearing the brunt of all of these costs so yes that is a great point that you bring up and it's just another you know, um, it's another obstacle that we've got to dodge and we've got to figure out our way through it. And in the midst of all of this, right, the backdrop to all these conversations are these darn restaurant owners are such greedy, horrible yeah. people. I uh-huh. mean, we've been vilified through this entire pandemic. Well, I, I have a friend who owns a restaurant, uh, a bar restaurant, and he has a really good business. And uh, I can remember at some point there were so many different opens and closes, openings and closings. Uh, but the government would come out on Friday and say that uh, starting Sunday, uh, you got to be closed at ten o'clock. Uh, no more, you know, uh, 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 no more drinks served after ten o'clock. And he's already mo- he's already ordered his food and everything for the for the next week. And they come out and tell him that he's not going to be able to be open the number of hours that he thought he was going to be open. So he gets, as you said, he gets food just wasted, lost. Food waste is sales lost. I mean, in the restaurant industry, these things are uh, come down to 10 to 20 minutes and balancing schedules and understanding what sales trends are going to be, table turnovers. This is a, a math, a game of, of math, right? You know, and when you, the government comes in and just flips the algorithm upside down and says, sorry, figure it out, and they keep doing that. You know, for a lot of these people who just don't have the cash flow to handle it, it's like, I'm out, you know? And, uh, and, and then you've got empty space, and who's going to come in and take all those empty spaces? It's going to be large, you know, the, it's going to be the corporatists, and the next thing you know, you've got a Taco Bell on every corner, just like they predicted in Demolition Man. <laughs> yes, yeah, and it's like the same thing with, uh, with small stores are being pushed out by Walmart and, and Target, and they're allowed to be open, and the, and the other guys were told they had to shut down. Um, so can you describe, uh, Andrew, what happens when an owner has trouble? You mentioned how, you know, getting people to come back to work. What happens uh, for a restaurant owner, you know, with a decent sized place, not a little, you know, more than some little little cafe, but like a restaurant restaurant, uh, how it affects service and how it affects the planning? Because I, mean, I go to restaurants now and it's obvious to me that service is slower. Uh, it takes much longer to get your food. It takes you longer to get waited on. What's going on back there in the kitchen that's causing all that stuff? Well, it's about labor, number one, first and foremost, because that's the foundation. That's the framework, right? You know, you can order the food, which is already way up in terms of cost, at least 20 to 30 percent across pretty much every commodity. Um, and now it's the training and getting people in and getting people back and working. And you you can't just 
you've got to go through six weeks of training to really be able to garner the skills necessary to seamlessly put food out in a restaurant, in a, in a kitchen environment. So that's where you're seeing a lot of these hiccups when it comes to scheduling and, of course, costing from a labor cost perspective. Um, as, you know, when, when uh, things started to kind of open up, it was certainly a shock to the system, if you will. And Stephen, uh, there's a, a restaurant in my area, a chain restaurant that I go to, a uh, national chain, um, and like a family restaurant. I don't want to give the name here because I don't want to, you know, make uh, it's not fair to trash them. But um, it's a nice little restaurant, a chain. And and how many times I went in there and I had to leave. This was after they were allowed to be open 100. percent They still you would you'd go in and there'd be a long wait because they only had one waitress. They they, they 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 would tell you it's going to be a wait and and that, I mean that's going to be killing you if you're if you own that place you see people coming in and leaving and maybe not coming back for a long time because they've been there a couple of times and when they get there there's nobody to wait on them yeah yeah exactly and I mean that's so hard for these restaurants because finally we have the opportunity to get back and get open and try and make up the sales that were lost or at least just you know kick things off the right way and bring the team members back on board and provide them the hours that they need. And then when you can't do that because of hiccups in the system that have been perpetuated by an overabundance of government regulation um, within the market, then here we are, uh, you know, with a broken industry. Now, you went on a rant last year that went viral about what politicians have done to restaurant owners, and it ended with, I'm not an a-hole. And you didn't say a-hole. I'm not an a-hole. Gavin Newsom is. What brought you to that conclusion? Not, not that I well, don't know the answer, but I want to hear you talk about it. Well, look, that was that was um, stemmed from when I was talking about the – I was very, very vocal about the fact that shutting down outdoor dining in sunny, beautiful Southern California against the backdrop where people were piled on top of one, each other, one another at Walmart, Target – um, you know, Best Buy, all of these big box stores going into the holidays was hypocritical. And everyone was calling me an a-hole saying, well, you don't, you know, profits over people and you don't care about people's lives. And I said, no, that's quite, that's not the case. You know, I said he was the a-hole because he's the one who sets the rules and then breaks his own rules. But frankly, I think that's malfeasance. I mean, he lied to everybody when he went out to the French laundry and said, no, we were dining outdoors. There was only a few of us. And then the pictures came out. Mind you, this was days after he had impl- he had implemented the mandate to shut the restaurants down. And he was indoors dining with 15 to 20 people, spending four to five hours, no masks, spending $15,000 on, you know, wine and lavish treats, all while the entire industry was shut down. People were lo- losing their livelihoods. And these workers are not able to pay their rent, pay bills, buy Christmas gifts for their kids. And he's flippant and smug about whatever, you know, I'm allowed to break the rules. So, yeah, I was a little bit heated, and perhaps it came out the wrong way. I don't think it came out the wrong way. Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's, it seems pretty accurate to me. Um, what are the chances of uh, this guy being recalled? Uh, I don't know. Unfortunately, I think that it, it, it's, it's, it's unlikely, only because there's a supermajority in California, so they're constantly trying to move the goalposts, change the rules at the last minute. We're seeing that every single day. And I just don't trust the system. I don't trust the institution of government in the state of California. It's really unfortunate. And I'm not the only one. There is a significant amount of people that do not agree with the way in which Newsom is running the state of California. And most of them are Democrats. Now, will they vote for uh, 
an unknown Republican? Probably not. That's why the person who would have to fill a seat on the recall would need to be a well-known name, somebody like a Larry Elder, for example. But I don't necessarily know how these, uh, you know, who's going to endorse who and how this is going to play out from a political perspective. So, I, I, you know, my guess is as good as anybody else's. But back here in Pennsylvania, you know, I'm looking at this from afar. I don't know how uh, they haven't tarred and feathered Gavin Newsom or, or how any of these people get reelected, and not just in the situation with restaurants. Uh, you know, the gas prices are, it's a, what is it, four eighty five for a gallon of gas now? And you got people pooping in the streets in, in uh, L.A. and San Francisco. And, and then on top of that, you have the stuff with, you know, that we're talking about here with the restaurants and people not being able to go anywhere because of the masks and, the, and the, all, the, uh, all the restrictions. How, does, how do they stay in power? I mean, who, what, like if the, I'm just talking about people you know out there you talk to on the street, relatives, friends. How do they, how do they not go and, and do whatever they can to get rid of these people and vote against them? How do they get one vote? I don't get it. They've got the greatest PR agency in the world. It's called the mainstream media. It is the fourth arm of government. You know, we talked about the Iron Triangle. Really, there's four branches of government. And the final one is the propagandic arm, which is the mainstream media. That's all it comes down to, because these things aren't being covered in the press. And most of these, most people who watch the news and hear the news, they just read the headlines. And what's, what's amazing is, is that if you read the last paragraph of any story first coming out of mainstream media, it completely contradicts the headline of the story. But those people who just get their sound bites from the headlines and from just five minutes of looking at CNN or whatever the local news says, you wouldn't know about the fact that there's hundreds of thousands of unvaccinated um, COVID-positive immigrants crossing coming across the border and being distilled into every California community. I mean, you wouldn't know about all the people that are out on the streets as a result of all of the failed policies trying to affect the homeless population here in California, let alone all of the businesses that have been shuttered and there are people destitute who can barely pay rent or put food on the table. You wouldn't know about any of that. Well, we're talking to Andrew Gruel. He's a chef in California. You've seen him on the Food Network, other places uh, on TV. And he's the founder of Slapfish Restaurants. Um, yeah, I mean, what you say is true. I, everybody knows about the, you know, the, all the media is just a, a propaganda arm of the Democrats. But it would just seem, again, I'm, I'm back here in 2,500 miles away or whatever it is. Um, it, it's just your experience on the street. If you never turned on your television or looked at a computer, you drive into a gas station and it's 4.85 a gallon. You go to a restaurant and you can't get in because it's closed. Uh, I mean, it, it, I, I just I'm I, I'm having a tough time understanding how they're 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 not burning down the cities like L.A. should be on fire right now. Well, because since the pandemic, this is my opinion, right? Yeah. And sports been canceled. We saw a massive influx of people casually interested in politics the way they were interested in sports and they wanted to throw their weight behind a candidate the way that they would a sporting team all these sports networks are incredibly liberal so of course they threw their weight behind democratic candidates and now they've lost all logic and rational thinking and they only support these people the same way they would support their favorite sports player based on a tribal need to be a part of that organization right groupthink and that's what we're seeing with politics, especially in California now. It's a cult. And the masks are the brand, and the masks are the way in which you wave your, your virtue flag, which is why masks are coming back so rapidly here in California and now elsewhere. And the funniest thing I read when everybody started taking their masks off because of the, the CDC's advice, which now is flipped, but everyone said, oh, my God, 
I'm going to continue wearing my mask because I don't want somebody to think that I'm a Trump supporter, which is just so funny. I mean, that underscores and exposes how these masks have become become incredibly political. Yes, uh, masks somehow don't seem to uh, obscure stupidity. They seem to, uh, I don't know, indicate stupidity. Um, Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, do you think Joe Biden would be able to run a popsicle stand if he were put in charge of one? I mean, is he – most I politicians. Think, I mean, I think well, it depends on whether he's had his popsicles that day or not. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, yeah. the average politician, do they have any idea of the damage that's done to the restaurant industry by what – you know, their actions? Not just California, would, but everywhere. How would they, right? Yeah. Um, these people, these people didn't lose a dollar during the pandemic. If anything, most of them got richer, got more famous, got more popular. They had a, you know, they they had an unlimited platform across every news network to continue spouting the narrative, um, you know. And then they had the ability to basically turn the money printing press on, which only helps them. Many of them actually got rich on the backs of small businesses through this pandemic as they invested in a lot of these big businesses that had a lot more insight into what was going to happen with the pandemic. So no, they have no idea what's going on because they've never run a business. Most of them haven't. I mean, look, Newsom's wineries did really well throughout this pandemic and he got a lot of PPP funding. When a lot of other businesses were shut down, they were still doing private tours and they were doing outdoor dining and they were, you know, when other areas were shut down because just coincidentally, that one specific county in which his wineries are, <laughs> they weren't in purple tier. What a coincidence. That's what I mean. Tarred and feathered. I got to go, but I just want to let you know that you should, what you can do in your restaurant is encourage people to speak Spanish instead of English, which will be easier in California um, because there's a story at Forbes magazine I talked about at the beginning of the show that uh, speaking English, this is by the science writer at Forbes magazine, speaking English actually uh, spreads coronavirus more than most other languages. So tell people if they do take their masks off, either not to talk or if they do speak some some language other than English. That should go over pretty well out there. That is unbelievable, but I will do that. (laughs) Hey, thanks, Andrew. Appreciate you being on. Uh, I was appreciated. Thank you. Okay, that's Andrew Gruel, and uh, you can find him on the Food Network and Slapfish Restaurants. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South Coast, Coast Tax. Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm. We will treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation. And we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 8.36, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And one way we can achieve that is by being debt free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176 and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. Is it time to push reset and get away with God? Christian travel creates purposeful pauses to discover the most scenic, sought-after destinations while you immerse yourself in the wonder of God's creation. 
As you travel alongside the world's top Christian leaders, every step of the way will revive your faith and awaken your sense of wonder. Imagine morning devotions on the deck of a cruise ship as you pass towering Alaska glaciers or tropical Caribbean islands. Perhaps you're longing to set foot in the very places where Jesus walked and taught in Israel. Every day on a Christian cruise or tour brings you to new vistas while you enjoy uplifting music and powerful messages. Get away with God in a faith-focused journey, and the unforgettable memories you create will refresh you long after you return home. For more information, visit InspirationCruises.com or call 800-247-1899. That's InspirationCruises.com or call 800-247-1899. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. We agreed it's time to try something different. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Yeah, I was just thinking about something during the break here. Um, what happened to social distancing? I haven't heard anything about that yet. We got the masks back, but are we allowed to be within six feet of each other, or has that been reduced to like five or four? Um, it's um, I, I I I don't know if I mentioned this yesterday or not. I I uh, I got a uh, I had to have Xfinity come to my house. I, I thought they were going to come to my house today to uh, fix my internet, which went down yesterday. Uh, Fortunately for me, they fixed it without having to have the agent come to look at it. But they sent me a, a text, and it said, um, "We ex- uh, you have an appointment scheduled for tomorrow. Our agent will be wearing uh, – our, our technician, I should say – will be wearing a mask, and everyone in your house should be also wearing a face covering, and the technician will stay 10 feet away from every person in the house. Um, that's that's what we're dealing with, and it's and and it's it's just every day it's something new. Today it's the CDC coming out with something else, saying that all kids are going to have to go back to school wearing masks. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. I don't think. Uh, it's just it's beyond belief. Well, anyway, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye. John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.